Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we are in Matthew chapter 14, and if you're just joining us, we are doing an introduction to the gospel series where we're going through each of the gospels. We're starting with the book of Matthew, and we're going through chapter by chapter, sometimes verse by verse, and giving a background and history and culture and help you understand its relevancy for your life today. I would encourage you to go back to the beginning of this series if you're just joining us. And if you want to dive a little bit deeper, we have some resources available to you. We have our deeper dive section on our Patreon that gives you journaling prompts for every episode, a family discussion guide. And then we also have for free our Hearing Jesus for Kids podcast, which takes these concepts and breaks them down into understandable, manageable ideas for the kids. So again, all these resources are to help you grow together as a family as you hear the Lord's voice more clearly. So today I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. I'm starting at verse one. It says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus and said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He himself has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. And after being prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given because of his oaths and his dinner guests. He sent word and had John beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother. John's disciples came and took away the body and buried it, and they went and reported to Jesus. Now, when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. There's a lot going on in this story, and you have probably heard it in the past, but there's some things that are happening behind the scenes that I think are really important to point out. So here, what Matthew is doing is he's sharing about the death of John the Baptist. John's death has already happened. So it's almost like a flashback. He's reporting the events that had happened to John. And Herod is claiming now after John is dead, that Jesus is John the Baptist resurrected. And he's saying that's why he has these miraculous powers. And there were actually more people than that, that we will learn about later in the Gospels that shared that same opinion. That was one of the common things that was said about Jesus was that he was John resurrected. Now, of course, we know that that's not true, but that is one of the theories that they shared around that time frame. Now, let's talk about Herod for a minute. Herod was married to the daughter of the king of Nabatea, which was most likely a political marriage that would have been arranged by the emperor Augustus. 
that marriage lasted a few years until Herod fell in love with Herodias. Now, Herodias was originally Herod's brother's wife, Philip, and Herodias divorced Philip, and then Herod divorced his wife, and then Herodias and Herod got married. And at this point, in this time frame, that was severely looked down upon in their culture. And so the Levitical law said, which they agreed to, they abided by, that it was an act of impurity and dishonoring to the brother. So that is the premise of their relationship. So in verse four, we learn that John is coming against Herod and saying, this isn't legal. It's not right. And John, who was very popular at this time, was publicly condemning Herod for marrying his brother's wife. And she actually was also his half niece, big family ancestral party going on there. And so it's talking about Herod's birthday. So this is Herod's birthday party. And we're talking about Herod, his new wife, all of that. So the Jewish people did not typically celebrate birthdays in that time frame. And actually, Josephus, who is the Jewish historian, he tells us that we learn from him that celebrating birthdays is actually forbidden at that time frame. But although most Jews considered birthday celebrations like a Gentile custom, there now was some Greek customs that had been influencing the leadership. And so this perhaps was part of the Greek influence that we're seeing the reason why he had a birthday party. And so rejecting invitations to that kind of party without a good excuse would be a risk to your social standing, especially if Herod was the one throwing this party. And so he's talking about dancing. Now, dancing, we talk about this in the Old Testament. There is an aspect of dancing as part of worship. That's not what we're talking about. This was lewd dancing. Think strippers, okay? And so that was a common entertainment in drinking parties. And maybe they wouldn't have completely, you know, but naked. Sometimes they would, but it was, they were scantily clad, as my Nana would have said. And they, the intention of that was to get them to think sexually. And so normally a princess, Herodias's daughter, would never participate, but this family had a reputation for not being moral. And there's a lot of gross that's going on. And so the daughter's name was Salome. And at this point, she would have been between 12 and 14 years old. So think about what's going on. Herod married his brother's wife and his brother's daughter, Salome, who's between 12 and 14 years old, is now dancing at his birthday party in a very sexual way. Gross. And so even at the time of this party, even though Salome was dancing for them, the men and the women did not eat together. So he would not have seen or directly witnessed the Herodias's conversation with Salome. So whenever that happened, he didn't even see probably that they were talking to each other. So he makes this oath. And even then, the people that would have been around him would have even been disgusted because to sleep with a relative or a daughter of your new wife, that would have been considered incest. But this was also his niece biologically. So a lot of gross going on. So what we see is Salome is now manipulated by her mother to get her husband to kill John the Baptist because she didn't like that John was calling them out for their gross behavior. 
So all the way around, this family is being called out. John's speaking truth. She doesn't like it. So she's trying to manipulate this young girl to do her dirty work for her. And so for Herod to break an oath, he had just made this drunken oath in front of all of his guests. For him to break that oath, it would have shamed him. And he didn't want to shame himself at his own party for his birthday. And while the Jewish teachers and any anybody in leadership at that time would have preferred that he absolved that oath, he went through with it. Now, Jewish law would have required a trial before execution. And so Herod, who has now been given power by the Romans, ignores that tradition. And beheading was the fastest and least painful method of execution, and it was carried out with a sword. But it was a Greek and Roman custom. It was not a Jewish custom. So in the ancient literature, what we learn is that only the most depraved, brutal people would have been amused by executing someone and presenting a head at a banquet. And that wasn't even a Jewish tradition at all. So all the way around, this guy is just so he kills John. And we see that John's disciples are the one that come and take care of his body. And normally it would be the family. But at this point, John had no adult sons and most of his family was dead. And his disciples were the only ones that were able to fulfill that role. And so the whole ancient world would have considered lack of a burial so dishonoring. It would have been the worst possible fate. And even some of the tyrants at the time would forbid burial as another way to shame that person. But that didn't happen. They were able to take his body and and take care of it. And so this Jewish custom of public mourning for those that were executed according to Jewish law still would have happened, even though that's not how he died. And so Herod most likely resented anybody that showed up to claim the body of John. A lot going on here. So the Jewish historian Josephus, he gives us some additional insight on what was happening as John was getting beheaded. He wrote basically that John was put in prison because of how popular he was. So the whole reason that Herod put him in prison in the first place was because he was getting really popular and Herod was afraid of an insurrection. He was super insecure. We learned that about him over and over. And then what would have happened is Jesus, after John's death, he became even more popular, which meant he was on the fast track to conflict with Herod and the religious leaders. And so eventually we learn that Jesus stands before Herod, and we read about that later in Luke. We'll study that later, but it was right before he was crucified. But Jesus did not answer any of Herod's questions. And so this is one of the main villains in the story of the Gospels. And just I think this story helps you understand how depraved he was. I think we all recognize his name, but we get him confused with his dad or his brothers that were also called Herod. But this is the guy that Jesus goes before before he's crucified. And this is the moral character that this guy has. So I think that's insightful. And I know it's a terrible story, but I think it's important for us to understand it. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read Matthew 14, starting at verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He himself has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. 
But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod so much that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she asked. And after being prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given because of his oaths and his dinner guests. He sent word and had John beheaded in the prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. John's disciples came and took away the body and buried it, and they went and reported to Jesus. Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. God, we recognize the depravity of man that we see in Herod, and perhaps it gives us some perspective on his role in the crucifixion of Jesus and the whole process that was happening behind the scene, even early on in the ministry of Jesus. God, help us to recognize that even in the midst of evil and darkness, that we are called to stand up and to be agents of truth, to call out evil when we see it. And sometimes it is so heartbreaking to recognize some of the evil in this world, but yet we know that you had to suffer through it. And God, we thank you that you did that on our behalf, that some of these things that we're reading about, as difficult as they are to read, we recognize that you did that motivated out of love for us. God, help us to recognize how much you love us and how much you went through in order to be able to rescue us so that we could have this relationship with you. God, I pray for my friends today that as they are learning and reading and discovering your word, that you would reveal yourself to them in a powerful way. Lord, I pray for peace in their hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. Hey, friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page, and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. 
Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.